You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, smart down, and it's called for another foul. And we are back with another episode of the From the Raptors podcast. Sam and I are here recording on Monday, December 6th. And we are joined by Celtics Blog's Andrew Doxy. Thank you for joining us today, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Sure. Yeah, thanks we for coming, on. coming we're, on. We're pumped. I'm pumped. Very excited. I got, I got my Josh Horford Advanced Apathy merch on me. You know, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> he came, you know, suited out, suited out and ready to go in. Uh, we're recording this in between games. Celtics have a little two-game break, and the last time we saw them out there uh, was just the the <laughs> the killing of the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, Peyton Pritchard pouring it on in the f- fourth quarter. Dennis Schroeder needing to be revived on the sidelines. I, I just want to talk about that moment because obviously a few weeks ago we got the quote came out that oh this Celtics team doesn't care about each other. Jason Tatum is about Jason Tatum. All they want to do is succeed. And then you see something like that on the sidelines, and it just kind of you know smacks everything else in the face see the whole team getting hyped for Pritchard. You see Tatum talk about the headbands after the game. How much do you think the Celtics team cares, not only about winning, but about each other? And, like, just just talk about that moment. Like, how were you feeling when you saw that on the sidelines? Because I, I thought it was electric. Uh, yeah, that, that was the – I mean, that was the most fun I've had watching a game, I think, in, like, two years. <laughs> like, since, <laughs> since like, pre, pre, uh, pre-bubble season. Uh, I mean, like, you know, before they went into the bubble, I think that was the most fun. Since like maybe the Tatum stretch when we were like, okay, he's just a, he's that guy. Um, I don't know. I don't really put a lot of stock into reports that like talk about feelings. I don't know. That's something I've kind of learned in the last couple of years. Like any report that's like, oh, these players don't like this or, you know, this guy really feels this way. Like I don't put really a lot of stock into that because I think most of the time, 99% of the time, those reports end up being false. Like there was all that um, – all that noise about Kyrie's last season in Boston about like how much they hated each other, blah, 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 blah. And they, you know, Jalen and Kyrie don't get along, all this and that. But then like you ask the players and they're like, nah, I'm I'm still cool with Kyrie. Like, you know, none of those reports ever ended up being true. It's just the basketball product didn't come together. So with that being said, like anytime I see something like, oh, players think that Tatum is this or um, they don't even really like each other. Or they barely hang out. Well, first of all, it's COVID. So, you know, if they're not, if they're not back, they're not allowed to hang out anyway. But I, I'm pretty sure most of the players are back stuff, back stuff by now. But, um, but just like little things like that, I don't really like pay attention to that anymore. I kind of just tune it out. So seeing the, the Pritchard explosion, right? the Pritchard game is like one of those things where it's like, you know exactly where you were when it happened. <laughs> um, so that was just a lot of fun. I just, I had a lot of fun yeah. watching it. Um, my wife, um, she watches some of the games with me, but she was, she missed that game. And I showed her, like, the highlights. And she was getting pumped over the highlights. And she's not even, like, a heat back. Yeah, yeah. So it's just fun. <laughs> and um, more fun is welcome after the last couple of years the Celtics have had with injuries and everything. So I'll take it. Oh, the training staff, they they just play operation back there in the, in the <laughs> locker room. That's what they do. But, right. yeah, I mean, that's great seeing Pritchard drop in. Back to back to back threes, 19 points after that might be more than he's had the whole season, to be honest with you. I could be wrong, but 
I I'd take that bet. Not knowing that might be more than he had the whole season combined. I'm That's what I mean. To be honest, That's oh, what I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single game, yeah. But going back to you know the rumors about like guys not liking each other, especially now with COVID, you really can't find that like yeah, sure guys have friends or sources that'll leak it, but like media, they don't get to be around the team. They don't get right. to. Mike Gorman talks about it all the time on the radio. He never gets to see those guys and make relationships with them, so he can't even speak on it. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then. They say Tatum and Brown don't like each other. I I just don't think there's ever been evidence of that. Never. Not like not a single shred of evidence that would suggest that. In fact, they've given us so much to prove the opposite. But as soon as the Celtics lose two games in a row, it's like, wow, I, these guys can't stand each other. But like literally two months ago, Jalen was saying how he babysits Dukes and and we have the picture after Tatum won the gold medal. Like, what what more do they have to do? It gets kind of weird that it keeps getting questioned. It's like, don't we have anything better to do? I don't know. It's, it's, it's so weird. weird. It's so yeah. weird. And then, like, after J- – like, obviously, Jalen's been struggling since his injury. You see Tatum come out and say, we want him to be the best version of Jalen Brown he can be, and we'll know we'll be that. And I saw people on Twitter saying, hmm, but they don't like each other, huh? Is this is this the tr-? – like, I, I don't care where these reports came from. And Brad Stevens, the day after that report comes out, he goes, if you can't put your name on a quote, then it's <laughs> it's not a quote. Like, it's just a, an anonymous assistant coach. Can't. It's just it, – it's a bunch of a bunch of nothing, but – uh, it was it was great to see Pritchard play so well. Do you like the fact that Emu Udoko went up to Chauncey and apologized after, or do you think that was like unnecessary? Because Pritchard was just like, I mean, we're making shots, we're making shots, but you know, etiquette. Pritchard Chauncey did not complain. No. <laughs> I, I don't. I think Ime has to do that. I don't think whether or not he meant it. I don't know. I think he just has to do that to keep the air of professionalism. I'm sure he probably like told him something in the game, like, "Hey guys, come on, we can't do that," and then just moved on. But. Like, I don't yeah. think anybody, like, got in trouble for it or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's He um, was laughing. You could see in the yeah, pictures he he's laughing. So, I mean, yeah. he was all about it. He would have revived Schroeder if it, if he, it was his job. You know, someone else took responsibility. They <laughs> gave him chest compressions, and that was the end of it. Yeah, like, if you if you look at the baseline cam, you can see Udoka's, like, cracking up too. But, I, like I said, to keep the air of professionalism, I think you have to be like, yeah, I talked to Chauncey. I'm, I'm going to really tell those guys you can't be doing that. But. They probably was all cracking up in the locker room anyway. So, um, but I, I mean, I like the fact that he's trying to be professional. It did get a little crazy at the end. Like Richard yeah, yeah. straight up took four four three pointers with under a minute <laughs> left in a thir- in a twenty eight point game. So it did get a little wild. But if he would have made those, I don't know. Bananas. I mean, he's in his hometown, and I mean. Peyton Pritchard just destroyed the entire Blazers organization. I mean, we see what's happening today. I'm sure you both saw the reports. You know, yeah. Dame wants to play with Ben Simmons. Dame wants out. Dame's frustrated. The rift between Chauncey. It's Peyton Pritchard destroyed the Portland Trailblazers, and I, I think that's the narrative I'm going to stick with. Um, do you do you make anything of those Dame rumors? I mean, this isn't Celtics, and it's a tangent, but like, what, what, do you think anything's going to happen now that didn't happen in the off season? Because we've been hearing this for the past like three months at this point. Uh, I don't think anything changes on on Dame's part. I think if anything, the the Trailblazers just like pack it up themselves and make that decision one way or another. Um, because again, like it gets it goes down to a lot of those. Dame thinks this. Dame feels this, and it's like, and then you know he goes on Twitter himself, and it's just like, oh man, these guys just like drama too much, you know. So if anything happens this year, it's probably the Blazers thinking we've been doing this for 10 years now and we're stuck so let's do something dramatic but i don't think it's gonna be like lillard (laughs) going in with the same personnel this year a rookie coach 
and then being surprised that he's 11 and 12 when he's shooting <laughs> under 40 under 40 percent from the field and then all of a sudden be like i can't believe you guys would do this to me this is ridiculous i want out like i don't know i i would like to think lou is a little more reasonable than that but then again he's still in portland so i don't know <laughs> well i don't take the ben simmons thing as him wanting to leave i take that as you know if it's true he wants i mean they're gonna trade cj because he's not mm -hmm. going to philly i mean ben yeah, simmons is leaving yeah. philly Right. I don't I don't I don't really believe that whole I want to play with Ben Simmons thing because he Who would like, like two weeks ago or no, it was like a, like, well, when the season started, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in here with CJ. Like, I, I want to be here and that kind of stuff. So for him to pivot after 20 games, like I, like I feel like it's more of an organization thinking maybe we should touch base with Philly about Simmons and then somebody saying, oh, well, I heard Dane really wants to play with him. Like, I don't know. You know, but I, I don't know. I just don't really put a lot of stock into like. You know, if, if it's not coming out of Dame's mouth, especially him because he active on Twitter, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will say adding Ben Simmons would probably help their 30th ranked defense with the top 10 offense. Like, I mean, how many years can it be the same story? It's the, it's the yeah. same thing every single year. You have the talent. You're just a, a bottom three off defense in the NBA. I I don't know. I don't know. We, we can, uh, you know, nip the Blazers talk in the butt. Something else I did wanted to bring up because I think it got overshadowed a bit with the explosion of Pritchard at the end of that game. Aaron Neesmith shot three or four from three. Uh, a lot yeah. of people have been, you know, begging for both of those guys to get more minutes. Do you think this changes anything, or do you think this just was them getting garbage time? Like, are, are you one of those people that thinks they deserve more minutes after the season last year, or do you understand Udoka's kind of mindset there? Uh, I'm not mad at Udoka for not playing them because if the goal is to win, you know, if we're trying to win games, you want to play the players who have played the best this year. So if I'm looking at what Josh Richardson has done in his minutes versus what Neesmith has done in his minutes, like, yeah, obviously, ideally, I would want uh, Neesmith to play and develop. But if I'm trying to win games, Josh Richardson has been perfect for, you know, the amount of money that he's making. So, of course, I'm going to play him. So that obviously – and Romeo has been playing better than Neesmith on both ends this so far this year. So there's only so many minutes that go around. So I can't really be mad at him for that. Um, Schroeder – uh, I mean, he's going to get those minutes, so it's kind of hard to find a place for, for Pritchard. Yeah. So I'm not – I don't think that Neesmith – I mean, sorry, I don't think that Udoka's made the wrong choice at any point this year. And I also don't really think that this changes the anything in as far as what the non-garbage time rotation looks like. Or, you know, cause I don't think they did enough to leapfrog anybody. Because Jay Rich had a good game last night, too, or against Portland, too. So I don't know. Yeah, he's been playing extremely well of late. It's very hard to justify either of those guys getting run over him. I yeah. I think you might see Pritchard get sprinkled in a little bit next game just to see if he's still hot. Because if he is hot, you know, that's a huge weapon, a spark plug off the bench. But, yeah, I was happy with the Smith minutes, too. I mean, that guy always busts his ass regardless. And then when he's making threes, that's a bonus. But I love Richardson. He plays hard. Seems like he's always making good decisions when he has the ball. So you like to see he could be another ball hander off the bench. That's what you need. Yeah, and I is is really if anything, it's it's Romeo getting in the way of Neesmith and Josh Richardson getting right. in the way of, of Pritchard because if if Jay Rich can handle the ball, which that's where he's been at his best, not off ball shooting, because you know, um, <laughs> and that just <laughs> that just does not leave any room for Pritchard. I do agree that if anything, Pritchard might get a couple spot minutes. Like Smart only played 22 minutes against Portland, um, you know, which is great because he's been playing some heavy minutes. 
Um, so maybe on some nights, if he's turning the ball over a lot, like he did uh, against Portland, you know, Pritchard can get in there and, and give him a change of pace. But I don't know if Port- the Portland game really changes the rotation. That being said, um, Ennis Freedom did do pretty well with some non-garbage time minutes, and now he's like a regular rotation player. So I don't know. Crazy. I, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, shout out to him. He's, he's playing well. He's playing better than I thought he would. So. Yeah. You got. I'm pretty sure everybody who knows me on Twitter knows I'm not a big Ennis guy, but I got to admit he's hooping. He's hooping. Exactly. I'll, I'll, exactly. I'll go on air and say it. He's hooping for now. <laughs> uh, for you now. brought up Smart, and I I know you're a huge, huge Marcus Smart fan. Both of us here too uh, love Marcus Smart, who and wouldn't? I see you on Twitter all the time fighting Marcus Smart haters who can't seem to come to grips with the fact that he is a point guard now, and he's he's playing like a really good point guard now. So do you you want to just talk about Mark? <laughs> You want to just talk about Marcus a little bit? Because he's having a great season. Yeah, I don't think uh, – I think he's doing exactly what I, I expected him to do. Like, I think he's doing exactly what he's getting paid to do. He's um, – you know, over the last two weeks, he's averaging eight assists a game. Um, you know, since in the last month since he – you know, that Chicago meltdown, he's averaging like uh, I think 12, 4, and, and 6, something like that. Um, as a third option, what, like, <laughs> it's great. I don't know. That's pretty good. Um, and some, there are some nights he's not even the third option. He's the fourth option when Dennis kind of comes in. So, you know, if you're paying a, a point guard to, to average, you know, between six and eight assists, um, you know, he's scoring. His shooting has ticked up over the last couple of weeks. Um, he's a good floor general. The, the offense is tremendous when he's on the court, and it's not as tremendous when he's off the court. I think he has a second-best net rating on the team behind Ennis Freedom. Uh, so, you know, I, like, this, I have nothing to complain about. I think he's, he's doing great. And, um, this is only, he's not even in his extension yet. So I feel like there's a lot more room for him to grow into that role. And I think when people are trying to project how this team can make a leap to like true contender status, I think that leap comes not at the point guard position. Cause I don't think that this team is at its best when you have a high usage point guard, as we saw with Kemba and, and Kyrie. I think you have to look somewhere else. So I'm, I'm, I have no complaints about Smart this year. When he's not, when he doesn't have a like a deadly gastrointestinal virus, I think he's playing pretty good. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, people glossed over that like it was nothing. Like they were just like, right. this guy sucks, and yeah. he's out there playing through like sickness. He was and he, hit, he hit a big shot to send the first game to overtime, which no yeah. one, no one wanted to talk about that he was bad. And then, like you say, over the last month, he's been a whole new guy ever since he ripped everybody and jack knows i was on the kool-aid all summer i was saying he, was in, he could be an all-star like was, i thought he was gonna average like 10 assists a game like <laughs> he's getting hey, there. he's getting improving there. he's getting there give it another yeah, month we'll see <laughs> i thought he'd be great in this role just because we've seen over the last few seasons when he's given the opportunity to distribute he makes these amazing passes he has really great vision we've seen a couple this year in particular there was one he had to Horford on a drive where he just kind of threw it over his head. And it was like an alley-oop. I mean, yeah. he he is fantastic with the ball. And now he's really making great decisions, too. He's taking a lot less threes. He's boy, being more passes. aggressive going to the basket. And, oh, yeah, wow. Jack, the extra passes, there have been a few times where you see he's open and then someone next to him is open and he just passes it up. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I, honestly, the, the, he's he's evolved, and he's evolved as like this. Like you could, there are definitely different stretches of what you know Marcus has done this year. Like we had the gastrointestinal malady section, <laughs> and then we had the okay shooting too many threes but starting to figure it out section, 
And then we got the more well-rounded. And now we have like relentless drive to the basket, Marcus. Like his assists are, are down over the last couple of um, like handful of games, but his scoring is up because he's just driving to the basket. And that's creating good looks for everybody, even off of misses, you know, offensive rebound opportunity. So this team looks a lot better on offense because he's, you know, not settling and just driving head down straight to the mm-hmm. rim. For sure. And I mean, it seems like the first play of every game is just a, a Marcus lob to Rob Williams, just r- behind everybody, which is great. And you, you hit the stats on the head since the uh, since the Bulls game it is around 12, four and six. But since that Lakers game, which I know Sam and I usually discuss as the turning point of the offense to some degree, Marcus Smart averaging 14, four, six, one point four steals and shooting 47 percent from the field and 38 percent from three. So like. I don't know what people expect from the guy. I had a buddy of mine text me uh, during the jazz game, which I mean, what are you going to do against a jazz team that does that? Um, yeah. He's like, I'm out on Marcus smart. I'm like, how, how are you going to sit here and tell me? What did he even do? I, like, like what I, did happen? I don't know. I, I don't it's know. very rare that you have educated <laughs> fans say that they don't like Marcus smart. <laughs> I like to say that he played good against the jazz too. (laughs) I was like, what are you watching? I I was like, I I texted him back. I'm like, I have you not been watching the Celtics play for the past two weeks? Like are you is the last time you watched like early on in the season. I don't understand the hate. And I I eventually just had to be like, um, I guess we can agree to disagree because I don't know what you want me to say. And my argument was if you're only looking at the shooting splits, then Jason Tatum sucks too this season. Like Al Horford sucks too this season. Like that was his whole thing. I'm like, you can't just look at the shooting splits and tell me a guy sucks. And he's like, what? That's like a a huge part of the game. I'm like, yes, but it's like, so is everything else Marcus Smart does. So it it doesn't make sense to me. Like what's the most common thing you get on Twitter? Because I know you you defend Marcus a lot uh, on there. And I've seen the people come at you. So I'm I'm curious what the most common thing you you get there is. Uh, By the way, thank you for those stats against the Lakers. That's more fuel for the agenda. Um, (laughs) I guess the thing I get the most is that he hijacks the offense and shoots too much, which does not make any sense because he has a career low usage rate this season. <laughs> and his usage rate has continued to drop outside of um, the the year when, uh, in 2018-19, Kyrie's last year when he was starting, because that was his career low in usage because he was literally just spotted up that year. But his like usage rate is lower, his assist rate is higher, his assist to turnover rate is like spectacular this year. Like how, if he's high, if that's what hijacking the offense looks like, hey, he could do that all night. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you tell me hijacking the offense is being an unselfish player that leads the team in assists by a lot, it doesn't turn the ball over. It doesn't turn the ball over. Like, all right, yeah, I, I'll live with a couple of of bad three pointers. Like, yeah, it's true. He does shoot some ill-advised three pointers at times. Not really in the last couple of weeks, but you know that's over his career. That's been his thing, but. He's like grown as a player mentally to where I haven't really felt like he's hijacked the offense at any point in the last like two years, maybe like once or twice, you know, a regular season game. But like in the net series, I felt like he picked his spots great against Brooklyn. He was our second best player by far uh, against the Nets in the playoffs. Um, Last year when Kemba was out the first part of the year, I thought he did a great job as the starting point guard, which is why I was confident in him this year. Um, And this year, I can confidently say that he has not like hijacked the offense really like at any point. Like, yeah, you know, a couple of three pointers here and there. I think it's just because of how loud those misses can be is what yeah. makes people think that he's hijacking the offense. But if we're really looking at the grand scheme of things, I, I wouldn't 
consider it that. And if he has to shoot a couple more times because nobody else is shooting, I don't consider that hijacking the offense either. Like, exactly. if, if, if you have, like, smart um, Jabari Parker, Freedom, uh, Neesmith, and, and Pritchard on the floor at some what point. What a nightmare that sounds like. That Yeah, and I feel like we've seen that at some Does point. Does the whole team have COVID? Happen, if that were to happen – I want smart taking those shots. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want a, an Ennis post up. Like, I don't know. God. But that's my that's what I get the most though is that the, the hijacking comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the biggest thing for me too. Is you know you've seen the Marcus hate grow over the last two years, in my opinion. And in the last two years, he's taken more shots because Gordon Hayward got hurt. Kemba Walker's not playing half the game. Jalen Brown got injured. You yeah. you have a guy that most people see as a third or fourth option who is the fourth option this year because people yep. aren't hurt. Like, I don't know what you, like, like you just said, would you rather, you know, Romeo take 10 shots a game or Mark, like, and maybe if your answer is yes, fine. I guess more, more power to you if you want Romeo taking those shots. But over the last two years, he's been the second best player on the team just in terms of, you know, it's everything. Cause Jason Tatum has been the only guy who hasn't been consistently injured. So I don't know what mm-hmm. you expect. Like he has to step up and yeah. he's not, He's not going to be a good volume shooter ever, but that's because he's not supposed to be, like in the grand yeah. scheme of the Celtics offense. So that, that's always been our argument. Sam, you said he was going to, what did you say he was going to average at the start of the season, though? It was something ridiculous. I thought he could do like <laughs> like 14 and 10 or something like that. Like I didn't think, I just thought those were like numbers that were realistic with the role he might have to play scoring wise, not yeah. knowing that Schroeder was going to be this reliable for the most part. Once in a while, he has a couple games where he's not great, but. He's been yeah. such a great surprise, too, and it sucks that they're probably not going to be able to bring him back next season because he seems like the kind of guy that could be key to your success. He fits really well with this group. What do you think of Schroeder, Andrew? <laughs> uh, I'm glad <laughs> I got to ask. Yeah. Um, how do I say this diplomatically? <laughs> just I, don't. You don't. This is just going <laughs> to <laughs> No, because I, I think I, I'm, I've been hearing, like, like for example, Keith Keith and I agree. Keith Smith. Um, well, Keith on. is out. He is not out in on Schroeder. He he does not like Schroeder. Right. Keith and I agree on a lot of things regarding Schroeder. Um, but all that with a caveat that if I'm getting this Schroeder for five million, that's fine. I'm not gonna yeah. be mad about it. I'm trying not to be mad about it. But I do think some of the team's worst habits come when he's a high usage player. Uh, and I think a lot of that happens when Jalen is out um, because he naturally becomes the second option. <laughs> uh, but again, second option for five mil, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like a balancing thing because uh, I feel like the ball is in his hands too many times in crunch time when up until that point in the game, we see that when Smart and Tatum have the ball, the offense moves and flows better. But then it's like, oh, it's a two-point game? Dennis. It's your, it's your time to shine. Like it's like Dennis Schroeder saying it's Dennis Schroeder time, and it's just like uh, I don't know about that. And then so for us, my issue with him is that for as fast as he is, the game slows down to a crawl when he's dominating the ball, and it makes no sense to me. Um, you know he'll he'll walk the he'll walk the dog with like five minutes left in the third quarter, and then he'll pick the ball up, dribble from one side of the court to the other side of the court pound the ball, pass once, get the ball back, run a pick, and then it's five seconds left on the shot clock. And it's like, that's just not the way that we play when we look good. But that's the way that we play when he has the ball. Now, this being said, he played great in the Portland game because he didn't 
dominate the ball. And when he had the ball, he was making quick decisions, driving to the basket. And what he brings to the team is great because um, that's been a weakness of Smart and the Jays is that <clears throat> is their ability to consistently drive into the teeth of offense. And that's something that comes so naturally to Schroeder. And I think that gives our offense a whole different dynamic. And maybe that's why he gets the ball so much in crunch time because we're looking for those kind of looks, but it just never pans out that way. It ends up turning into a jump stop, like turnaround jumper, which is <laughs> um, So there's just like a lot. I have very uh, mixed feelings about Schroeder, but I can't be mad because of the price that, that, that we're paying for him. So. See, I, I'm big on the um, – I love that he gets to the basket. Like you mentioned, he's always getting the teeth of the defense. I almost feel like that's rubbed off on Smart. He sees how well it works for Schroeder. I mean, he's yeah. picked it up. But I, I do agree that, you know, it's not great if the ball is sticking in crunch time. But I feel like he's made some big shots. He's missed a couple shots. He has missed some. Yeah. But he had a big bucket, I believe, in the Philly game he, before he airballed in the next possession. Yeah, I was going to say, are you forgetting but, about the one that... Uh, but he, yeah. hey, he, still, he still hit the winner. He, he was the winner, it. but he did airball the next possession, which was no good. Right. And if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Rob, he yes. would that game. And Al. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And and Jalen for, for locking up and Embiid down low. Like, yeah. He'd probably lose that game. I was certain they were going to lose it. No, I was. I would have put the house on them not getting a stop there. <laughs> I thought we were going to foul, um, especially when I saw Jalen on, on Embiid. I was They've like, loved oh, the man. fouls. They, they've yeah. fouled so many times and at the end of games for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I got mad at that shot by Schroeder, because, like, the first time it went, like, I was like, okay, now we're cooking. And then the next time down, it, it was just a garbage shot. With You know, we I think we still had enough time to, you know. And, and it wasn't a good possession, and there was time left, like you said. But he had yeah. the, the ball in his hands the whole mm. possession. So it's like, that's kind of why, you yes. know what I mean? Um, no, I understand it. Yeah, they're, they're not yeah. hiding it at all. Like, you, you know what's going to happen. Like, there's no movement. There's no nothing. And I had a similar issue in, I don't know if you remember the Cleveland game where Schroeder took the final shot. Like, what is, what is happening? Like, I don't know what's going on. Well, that was, was that was they were trying to get us to Tatum, but they denied him. But then the, the, there's no backup plan. Like, there, there's, well, there's no, like, off-ball movement. Oh, I understand, but you're telling me in five seconds the best everyone could do is stand in the corner, all four people, while Schroeder's on the other yeah. side. Like that—that's the part I have an issue with. I understand. And, and also, I, I can't remember exactly the details of, of that particular possession, but I—I I, I feel like we got the ball with more than five seconds left. Like I feel like we the hundred percent. The clock went down to that point where it's just like we're kind of waiting for something, you know. And I feel like the best teams, like if you look at Golden State in crunch time, like every team runs ISO. And I think it's a it's a whack complaint of team, you know, of fans to be like, oh, why are we only running ISO in crunch time? Every team does that. But there's so much more movement around, you know, how they initiate those ISOs, right? It's not like Steph catches the ball with like 10 seconds left, dribbles the air out, and then just tries to create. Like they run different actions to get Steph in an ISO in a particular place that he's comfortable with and can make a play. And, it, you know, the Steph, KD, LeBron, like all them, all them boys, like they all get put into these good positions. Maybe not LeBron with Frank Vogel, but you know, you know what I mean? Like just different positions yeah. where the ISO is more uh, intelligent. But with this team, when it turns into ISO, it's just Tatum at the top of the key. All right, what's going on next? You know, or Schroeder at the top of the key, you know? So that's Does Tatum take too many threes? No, he doesn't take enough. You don't think so? You think he doesn't take enough? Sam hates the threes. Sam I think he hates takes far threes. too many threes. 
I, I think I think he takes two. Nah, I, actually, I really like Tatum's shot selection this year. I think he's just not making them. It's important. Because, like, like, if you look at his, um, like, 2019-20, when he was, like, coming alive, it's, he was training some really tough threes. Like, that's what it was. <laughs> like, he was hitting the sidestep three, step back threes, you know, pump fake, still pulling up the three, like, right, one dribble pull-up threes. Like, um, and I remember – like going into that year, we were like, imagine if Tatum, like he was taking like four or five threes a game. We we're like, imagine if he took seven or eight, like how many more points he would average. And then he did it. And then that's why he went like to a whole nother level. So I, I like his shot selection this year. He's just shooting like garbage, but like yeah, yeah. looking. Yeah, I mean, that never makes it look good, right? When when he's shooting like way less than we expect. I yeah. feel like he takes a lot of early threes though, and it kills me. Like they they always seem to come early to me. It's like a bad time. Like, I feel like like other teams are on a run, and he'll try and end the run by taking a quick three, and it just makes it worse. I just I wish they would really try and focus on going to the basket more. I haven't paid attention to that. Um, like, it hasn't stood out to me, but I'll look for it. But I, I do feel like this year, compared to last year, um, like like Tatum at the end of last year, like from March to the end of the year was like he had the perfect shot selection. Like he was driving to the basket, getting bully ball, drop 60. Like that's the Tatum that I think of when I'm thinking of like superstar Tatum. Uh, and I feel like he's trying to do that a bit this year, but this it's just not falling. And I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they I, love – Scout loves talking about Tatum's muscles. And like when he was really <laughs> like playing poorly at the beginning of the year, like there would be one play a game maybe he would finish around the rim and he would miss like the other 10 layups. And Scal would always let you know, like, look how big he is now. Like, look at those muscles. Like, that's all the muscle he put on after he missed, like, you know, nine layups in a row before that. But he, he's figured it out. He looks much better around the rim. So good good yeah. for Tate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, circling back on the Schroeder thing real quick, because I, I just wanted to, you know, bring up something that I think. I don't mind Schroeder. I don't think he plays well with both of the Jays on the court because I think that's just too much, too many people that need the ball in their hand. I think in, in my opinion, again, this might be a hot take. I think the sooner they trade him, the better. Cause right now you're talking his trade value. No, realistically speaking, no, it is you're talking high. his trade right. value. Like if Schroeder starts to play bad, boom, I know he's making five mil, but like him well, playing this level right now. Okay. Let's, let's, let's calm down. Um, <laughs> him playing this well for $5 million probably the most tradable contract in the NBA, in, in my opinion, like realistically. And you have teams out there who could use them. Like I pulled up a few while you guys were talking. Like you tell me Dallas wouldn't like to grab Schroeder for five mil. Denver with their, you know, hospital roster wouldn't like to grab Schroeder for five mil next to Jokic. Minnesota, who's good on defense, but terrible on offense. Same thing for LA, the Clippers. I mean, not the, not the Lakers. Any of those teams, I feel like would be more than willing to trade for Schroeder. And if you're the Celtics, you can't there's there's no way you resign Schroeder after this year. There's just like there's no feasible way, in my opinion. But I, I think trading him at least by the deadline would be the smartest option. I understand keeping him because he's playing well and you want to maximize this team. But the way I see it is, is the Celtics team a championship contender this year with Schroeder, or is it smarter to just get some value out because he's not going to be here next year anyways? So that's that's where my head's at. I uh, I I understand both sides of this debate. I don't want to both sides this whole thing, but I, I understand both sides of it. Um, <laughs> I did see I did see uh, a tweet this morning that made me think about it from a different light. If you didn't give up much 
to get Schroeder, is it really a loss to lose Schroeder? Like, if we're only paying him five mil for one year, like that's low, low investment, low, you know, flight risk kind of deal where it's like, okay, yeah, we lost him, but we got a good year out of him. And I also think, like, from all those teams that you mentioned, like, okay, they could use a Schroeder for sure, but like, what do we get back? And would it be worth, you know, losing the opportunity cost of potentially going deep this year because there's really only one team that's that bothers me in the east right now and that's brooklyn like really milwaukee if, doesn't if, bother you no I'm, I'm never scared of milwaukee i don't care i don't care if they won a championship Celtics have played milwaukee well in recent years we always played last them year well. they played them really well like i yeah. i contend if they played in the playoffs they would have had a good shot i mean they had, yeah. they won the title we, but, you mean, know without without Jalen, i mean i mean let's be honest like with, I mean, Milwaukee, um, some things went well for them in the playoffs. Like, if Kyrie didn't get hurt, they're, they're not winning a championship, you know? But that being said, they earned their championship, and they're a really great team, an elite team that would probably wipe the floor with most of the East. But I think we match up with them well on paper. And without Kemba, um, we have less of a defensive hole in that starting lineup against them. That being said, I mean, Kemba always played them good, like, on offense, but he was obviously a defensive liability. That be, uh, anyway, all that's to say is that, like, on paper, we played them well. I wouldn't be surprised if things went, you know, our way in a, in a series. You know, if we went on one side of the bracket without Brooklyn and something crazy happens to Brooklyn, I would like our chances. Like, I'm not really scared of Chicago. I'm not really scared of any of the teams right now in that. In that like, the East is pretty much yeah. all pretty even right now. It's Brooklyn and then the rest. Um, and we've been far from healthy. Um, and we've had so many, like, heartbreaking losses. <laughs> like, a, season, a season's worth of heartbreaking tight losses within the first month. Um, you know, you, you could look at, like, three of those. The Luka buzzer beater, double overtime against the Knicks, um, and uh, the Jazz game as being an outlier. You give us those three wins back, and I'm leaving out a bunch of other examples. Yeah, even the Cavs. The Cavs game was a big Cavs, one, too. Both the, Cavs the Wizards game. game. The Bulls I mean, game. Think about this game. The Wizards game in Washington, double overtime. In regulation at halftime, Harold hits a half-court shot. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so just take three of those. Give me three of those wins back, and we're second in the East. Like, yeah, yeah. and we have, like, seven of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> I, I – and and that's with missing Jalen for like three weeks. I mean two weeks. So actually three. So wow. you know, I, I, I'm not really it, it looks a lot worse on paper than it really is. So do I want to give up Schroeder, um, who's playing great? Um losing him for nothing is not really gonna hurt this team because we were never gonna replace him with somebody who makes significantly more. And we don't and anybody making around five mil is gonna be a younger player anyway. And we have I would say we have too many of those right now that we know yeah. what to do with. So I would rather just keep him and try to do something, do something nice in the playoffs this year. You know, if, if we even, like, let's say by some miracle we make it to the finals but don't win the championship. We made it to the finals. That's something that you could, yeah, yeah. you know, tell to the Jays and be like, hey, this isn't working. We just need to tweak this. Maybe you don't keep Schroeder, but you get a player kind of like him in, in free agency or the draft. Like, you know, so I would just, you know, push. And that's, again, goes back to why Neesmith and Pritchard are not playing, because the goal is to win games this year. You know, if we can develop them as much as we can, we'll do that. But I'm not trying to, you know, put their development over winning games this year. Yeah, that's fair. Sam knows I'm a big devil's advocate guy, so I'm going to I'm gonna come back at your argument real quick just for the sake of it. Um, 
my thing is, and again, Sam will back this up. I'm a big stats analytics, like, oh, front, like that's how I think. No, I'm not bringing up stats here. I'm just saying, like, I, I think very front office-ish. And so the mm. way I just see the shorter thing is if you have the opportunity to net gain off something and you don't take it, that's kind of where I'm, like, I'm iffy on it. And I did, obviously, I, I looked at the books. I looked at the few guys you could get. And I think not only could you get these guys in return for Schroeder, I think more importantly, you could get a pick back. And I know saying you're going to say picks don't matter anymore. They're contending. I don't know if you want picks. But you could yeah. flip the pick in another trade, in my opinion. It'll give you more assets to trade I'm just curious who away. you can get back because maybe, maybe we'll so, be intrigued. The, the the Clippers and the Timberwolves, who are two – I'm just looking at the four teams I brought up. I don't see anybody on the roster like making around that money that the Celtics would want um, outside of Justice Winslow. And I, I, I'm not – anyways. Um, the Nuggets, if they're willing to trade, I think you get a pick and a second or something like that. And the like Austin Rivers or Jeff Green – and none, none of these guys are going to give you a ton of like value back. But I think both of those guys could come in. Like Jeff Green, you saw what he did with the Nets last year. He was solid. When Jokic yeah. was out, he averaged like 20. And again, I'm a homer. Like I love Jeff Green and the Celtics. He was a beast. I, I thought he was sick. And Austin Rivers, I mean, he's – It'll just be another defensive guy off the bench. And then on the Mavericks, I mean, you're talking like Dorian Finney-Smith, who, again, it, like, it, it's not great. But if you can get a pick back, like, you lose half a season of Schroeder. Again, like you said, though, if you think you can make that deep run, keeping Schroeder makes all the sense in the world. Those are the, sh- the guys I found that I think make sense. And I think Denver is going to, you know, be looking to do something because I don't think they want to waste a season of Jokic. And they're down yeah. horrendous <laughs> counterpoint on that on denver though they are going to get yeah. jamal Murray back at some point but i will say this to your point i wouldn't be opposed to getting austin i've always loved austin rivers um yeah i wouldn't too. be opposed to getting him or or jeff green i think jeff green has killed us in the playoffs twice in the last four years <laughs> um but then you then you put yourself at risk of the 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 curse of jeff green where it's like you know <laughs> Love, love to, hate to play against him, but also hate when he's on your team because then you have to yeah. rely on him. So it's like, yeah, you're kind of stuck. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, we, I don't know. Like I, said, yeah, I see yeah. both sides. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, we can move on to the next thing I have on my little laundry list here. Um, it, it's it's about Jalen Brown. And I want to phrase this very carefully because I wrote an article for Celtics blog recently that got me a lot of hate on Twitter. I don't dislike Jalen Brown. That's not at all what I'm saying when I'm saying this. But – you look at the games the Celtics offense has played well, and very few of them have Jalen Brown in there. And again, I like Jalen Brown. I think they're like obviously you don't you know trade Jalen Brown. I th- think that's foolish. But I'm just looking at the games like Lakers game, one of their best offensive performance of the season, right? Thunder game again, Blazers 146, Utah dropped 130. You know what I'm saying? Like these are some juggernauts. Besides Utah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm saying Utah, 130 against Utah. Like, I'm just saying, like, what what do you think that deal is? Because I have my own theory, and it's not the fact that I dislike Jalen Brown. And I'm going to keep saying that because I love Jalen Brown. And I think if you mm-hmm. if he – I'll just spoil it here. I think he needs to get used to the new offense because when he did go down, like earlier in the season, they're playing a Jason and Jalen, that's your offense. When he went down, they had to adjust to, okay, we're going to play team basketball. We're going to pass more. We're going to find those, you know, right passes. You had Marcus Smart come out, all these things. And he was hurt and they adjusted. And I think he needs time to adjust into this kind of new offense that they're running. Cause like, you'll see, like, obviously Tatum has adjusted and improved as a passer because he's had to, I think if you see Jalen Brown make a couple of those progressions as a passer this Celtics offense is going to be elite because then you're going to have two guys that can handle the ball when Tatum is handling the ball you'll have Brown off the ball shooting uh, and cutting and do all all the things he does great 
But I just think that he like, he needs time to adjust to the new style of offense they have been playing. And again, I love Jalen Brown. This is like I'm just I'm just yeah. What are your thoughts on that whole spiel I just I just gave? Uh I think you're no, I'm just kidding. Uh no, I think um I think I think the I think your your analysis, no offense, I think your analysis is missing some context. Because yeah, of the when when Jalen Brown was playing, the entire offense looked like garbage. Then Jalen Brown, then Jalen Brown gets hurt. Offense starts to pick up. Right now yeah. we're like 13th in offensive rating. And then the only games that he's played it's up to 13th so far, already. We're up to 13th so. already. That's crazy. I think so. I'm anyway, up, sorry. I'm continue. Continue. <laughs> um, so so while he's out, the offense starts to improve. And then when he comes back, he's playing on one leg. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he leaves, and then we play, you know, some some juggernauts like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, like, I just think that it, it's too many things. And, of course, that sounds convenient to my argument, and I totally understand that. But I just I do think that there's, like, very clear, like, it's, like I said with the Marcus Smart thing, like, there's just very clear tick, tick marks in the season yeah. so far where garbage team on offense and defense – Garbage team on offense, pretty good on defense. And then now we're like middle of the pack in both. Like we've taken a step back defensively, but we've yeah. taken a step forward offensively. So I think we're just middle of the pack right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now that we have the 13th best offensive rating in the league and 11th best defensive rating in the league. And our net rating is ninth overall in the league. So, um, you know, that <laughs> that's uh, – I, so that's my theory as far as with, with, with you know with respect to Jalen Brown is just that he hasn't been around much while we haven't been a, a garbage offensive team. So that's my only counter yeah. to your argument because it's just like if, you know maybe if you you know let's hopefully he's back by the LA games because I'm gonna go see them um, in LA for the Clippers game. Um, so hopefully he's back and we just get a good stretch of like. Like I don't know if two weeks is too much to ask for, but you know, two weeks of the team being healthy and against good competition, and I feel like that's when we could start to make, you know, uh, assumptions or conclusions about you know what this team's identity is offensively and defensively. I just think that too many things have been out of place at mm-hmm. these critical evaluation moments. So, yeah, yeah. Sam, what do you think? Well. I came in on Jack's side, but I've been convinced. I, I was the one that kind of pitched the, the thing, where I was like, you know, it's kind of weird that, like, they're playing so well, and he's yeah, not and in the lineup. Yeah, you let me like, it and get slewed. I and, see yeah, how Yeah, and Jack working. was thrown under the bus. But, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, they've probably technically figured out some things. Like, in my head, I was like, maybe that's, like, the cog that's screwing everything up when, you know, he comes back in, and they, they had it all figured out, then they got to make all these adjustments, and they can't figure it out again. But, I mean, yeah, he was definitely playing hurt. He did not look healthy at all. Did he play against Philly? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, because yeah, he defended yeah. beating the post. Yeah. Yes. But he looked, yeah, I mean, he looked really bad. Like, he was limping on the court. Did. You could Philly. see he was wincing. Like, he's not having a good time out there. But, yeah, I think I think that's been cleared up a bit. Every, I, I get emotional, you know. I, I get yeah. uh, my vision blurred every once in a while. Not that I was, like, upset or anything. I was just like, this is weird that, like, you know, he's out of the lineup yeah. and then they start playing well. Yeah, I, I think um, 
I don't think that, like, I mean, we have a lot of evidence that they can play together and drive together. You know, like the, the 2020 playoffs in the bubble, they, they were both Agree. really well, you know? And that's without, like, really having high usage Kemba. So, which is kind of like a similar makeup to this team. And even the beginning of that season, uh, or the beginning of uh, last season, without Kemba, right? Like, we saw that they can play well together. Um, it's just that they were relying on Shemi Odile and Jeff Teague, <laughs> which is why they weren't, Jeff you know, Teague. Like, what a mess that was. Then we don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I just think that, and, and, you know, we can't forget either that he's been practicing with the team. Like, he's just not suiting yeah. up in game action. So I, I think, you know, once we, you know, if we can beat the Lakers and beat the Clippers back to back, I think that would be a good sign of yeah. like, okay, we're, we, we can really start to go on a run now. Like, this team is due for a run for the talent that we mm-hmm. have and all of the, like, close losses that we've experienced in the last month. Like, I I really feel like we're, like, on our way to a seven-game win streak at some point in the month of December, which would be a really big statement considering the schedule, you know? Huge. Oh, yeah. So, 100%. And I'm not trying to be talk radio, you know, Gasper saying they need to trade smart. That That's not where I'm coming that from. That was here. outrageous. Yeah, I, get it, I mean, it, yeah, I, it, it's I, – I understand why you would, you would get yeah. to that conclusion. I just, um, I just think that this season's been so weird. That I, I, you know, I want to see what we have together at some point. And I know that there have been some seasons where I've said that, and we've never gotten together, like last year, <laughs> when people yeah. just did not get healthy at any point, which sucks. But you know, how many years can we do that in a row? <laughs> this is not a challenge. You, you got to get rid of the trainers. I, I'm these guys need to be <laughs> held accountable. They really do. Hey, but the the COVID absences from last year, that's on the players. I don't know what the the, co- the COVID is what it is. But when guys are getting these nagging injuries, the I mean hey, some of them happy are happy birthday, injuries. Tristan Thompson. That's all I'll say. I mean, dude had to throw a bash and you see what he's up to now. So have yeah, fun in Sacramento. He's thriving right? out there. <laughs> yeah. He's doing he's doing more I'm than so thriving. Happy anyway. That didn't work out. Because I, I really thought <laughs> oh, he was gonna, like I was happy when we signed him. Um I think everybody was like yeah, I remember yeah. Jack and I were talking like, oh, Teague, Thompson, like good veteran signings yeah, to bring Teague, off the bench. I didn't mind Teague, uh, except, I mean, after the, the – Until the he started game, playing. an opener. Yeah. Once yeah. he started playing, it was, it was no good. Yeah. Well, look, I, the Teague hype never fooled me. I was anti-Teague day one. And then I walked it back a little bit after opening night, and then I went right back on, on, my, on my usual <laughs> agenda uh, after that. But my thing is if, if, if Daniel Tice had been traded earlier, I think – all right, if we didn't go into the season with Tice, then I think things would have worked out better from a win-loss perspective that really? year. Because I feel like we lost so many just by having to stick to Just that. the double bigs. The double bigs. Yeah. yeah. And that not even the fact that it was the starting lineup, but yeah. just that we had to play that lineup so many minutes to conceivably give them enough minutes. Like yeah. Starting doesn't really matter that much. It's just the fact that we kept going, getting obviously slow starts. And then to get back in the games, we still had to play them together. So it just, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of logistics issues. That's on that's on Danny more than, than Brad. For sure. Or really anybody else. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the um, last thing I want to bring up before we're pressing against the hour mark here. Sam has a, a group of questions he usually asks our guests for the first time. But before that, uh, I mentioned this before we started recording. Uh, Andrew, I know you saw this, Sam. I know you didn't. Bleacher Report put out a Celtics trade today, and I'm going to preface it by you won't like it, Sam. You're not. Okay. I just want. I just want your reaction. Very rarely uh, do I like things that Bleacher <laughs> Report puts out regarding the Celtics. I mean, people just don't know what they're talking about outside of the locals. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't feel like it makes a lot of sense. Go it's on. a uh, a Raptors trade. It's a Raptors trade. Um, Celtics get Pascal Siakam, Goran Dragic, 
Celtics give up Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Romeo Langford. Sam, just hit me. Hit me with it. Well, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Siakam hasn't been really great. He makes significantly more money. What does he make? 30, 30 37. plus. Which, 37. Oh, no, thirty-seven. Like very few. I'm pretty sure it's thirty-seven. Thirty-five. I'll check. I can. I can check here. But no, no, no. Like I don't. I think that's a negative asset at that point. It's I mean, thirty-three point six. Uh, Thirty-one point three this year. Thirty-three point six next year, and then thirty-six the year after that. Thirty-seven is like the the at, at the end of his contract. So you're gonna trade. Yeah. Three players that have probably overachieved for you this season by the national viewpoint. Maybe not, you know, I told you Horford would be good. I told you Smart would be good. Romeo is someone I was high on in the playoffs. Took a bit of a dip after the summer league where he kind of just kind of floundered, like didn't do anything special. And then after the preseason, I was back on the train. And you're going to bring in Siakam, who really hasn't done anything in years. And Goran Dragic, who's shooting 18% from three. Don't forget about Goran Dragic. Yeah, like... It's something these, like that. I'm exaggerating, but Do it's they not, think, like, it's great to get off the Horford contract or something that's going to be less money next year? Maybe. But. Okay. This might surprise you, but I didn't think that that would be the worst idea in the world, as a, even as a smart fan. However, I would not do it, personally, because um, I think that addresses a problem but creates a couple more problems you know you then you don't have a long-term point guard solution then you have three overplay three over now i I don't want to say three overpaid players um you have one max yeah yeah you have three players that are close you know pretty much in the max contract range and you know very little I don't know. It, it, the, the, the books would look a little muddy there. And then you have, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself in a corner. I think. Isn't Siakam kind of old? He's like uh, older than you would think, right? Like 27, but, I think. Yeah, like yeah. That. That's what I mean. Like he's older than you would think from yeah. like the amount of time he's been a name in the league. Like he's, he's older than you would think. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, when I mentioned earlier that uh, point guard is not the, the thing that the team needs to get over the hump, it's for me, it's a big wing who can kind of play interchangeably with the Jays, like Gordon Hayward. Um, like, honestly, if Gordon Hayward didn't get hurt in the bubble, we, 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 we are the Disney champions. <laughs> They'd be calling us the Disney champions. Like, I, I, I guarantee you, we probably would have taken care of the Raptors in five games. Maybe, maybe we would have swept them. We look like we're about to sweep them without uh, Hayward if it wasn't for OG. And then Miami doesn't get the, the jump on us. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think, and then of course, I don't think the Lakers would have beat us even with um, Horford or Hayward banged up. I, I think we would have beaten them. But um, having a big wing adds so much to the dynamic of this team and with the Jays, especially when that can pass. And I think that's part of why Fournier's impact wasn't felt much because he's not big. You know, he's a good wing, he could shoot. But he doesn't add all the dynamics that somebody like Hayward, who is a couple inches taller and much better passer, could add to the offense. So for that reason, that's why I stopped and thought about it. Like Siakam could fill that role, but the things that Siakam is good at, are good at, um, don't really jive with what the archetype of what the Celtics need from that hypothetical player, that makes sense. So I wouldn't yeah. want to pay him $36, or $36 million in, in one calendar year um, to be a guy that would probably have some fit issues. 
when we already can see that that smart and the J's can do well. And if you just add one piece that's paid significantly less, then maybe you're cooking with something that's probably more potent as a product. Yeah. So yeah. Plus you'd be like your third option. Yeah. Making that much money. Yeah, it's a lot. Hey, but he can buy spindles. He can do a ton of spin. He can do spin moves. Sold. And he doesn't he, he get sold. dizzy. He can just keep going. <laughs> wow. He can like do the baseball bat thing for like 10 hours. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> elite. Throw that at the combine. At the combine. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Sam, if you want to, you know, ask your questions, Andrew, Sam always has this. Uh, I'll, I'll let him explain it. So I'll throw yeah, it every, every time we have a new guest, I kind of run through some like fandom questions, you know, about your experience as a fan, things like that. It's been a while, man. I kind of forget. But I know I, I think the first one is just like, what's your favorite piece of Celtics memorabilia that you have? It could be uh, ticket stubs, autographs, um, really anything, Any- pictures, whatever. Uh, when I was in like. 10th grade my sister knitted me a boston celtic sign or something like that i don't even know where it is right now sorry heidi if you're, if you're listening to this She's <laughs> no. uh, i don't know where it is but, but that was really cool to me because like when i was a kid in high school like i was like the Celtics guy like always tweeting about it i tweeted way too much about it and all like, everybody in school would like complain and everything my parents were like you watch too much basketball and stuff. but then that was like the first time that like so, like a member of my family was like, it's cool that you like this and that you're passionate about this. So, I was, you know, that was cool. Uh, so I would say that. It, it literally just says like Boston Celtics. And on the, it's, it's a felt. Uh, she felt needing or something like that. And she put it together. For me, so that was cool. That's nice. Yeah, that's, yeah that, that's pretty awesome. I mean, it, the story behind it is always the best part about any of the, you know, memorabilia we get. Um, yeah. Okay, so next would be what's your favorite um, moment that you've seen in person, game that you've been to, that you've got to see happen live? <laughs> uh, game five of the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I walked out of that building thinking that we were going to go to the NBA Finals without Kyrie and, and Gordon Hayward. Like, I really, I was feeling it. I was feeling good. I did not know at the time that I, I was in attendance for the last win of the season. Uh-huh. But at that <laughs> moment, I felt good. And I, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I live in Florida, actually. So I, did I, not flew up, I flew up the morning of the game and then flew back a couple hours after I got back from the game. So it was a 24-hour trip. Literally, it was wow. there and back. Oh, and, man. And it, was, it was wild, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, they broke my heart after that. Game seven was just like, uh, <laughs> you know, right there. Well, that was one of those three. games. It's just there for the taking, too. It reminds me. Oh man, we we had so many of these games so far this season just because the offense has been so bad. But that was like a game you could have easily won if yeah, you just like played you at the clip you played the whole series. You would have won. Yeah, if there if Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown didn't combine to go like over nineteen to three like that, bro. Like if we just shoot even like if we make two more, where it it was it was a ten point game at the end of the game because they like in the last minute the Cavs started hitting garbage buckets and yeah and free throws. But you know with a minute left, it's right there. And just one three, I think Terry missed one that could have, if it went down, it's, it's good. Or if Tatum got the ball back after dunking on LeBron, like, it's right there. When and he then, when he hit and the then three we after he dunked on the Jays So much differently if they make it to the final that season. Like, so many different conversations. But, sorry, what mm-hmm. were you saying? 
if he gets, I mean, after he hit the three after the dunk, I thought the game was over. I remember thinking that and like looking at my dad, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to win. Yeah. That was tough. Pain. Pain. We've been right, down right, the pain tra- pain memory lane today. We <laughs> talked about 2020, the bubble, which I, I'm with you. I think that's a team that really could have won. And yeah. my, my like, could have, would have showed it is if Horford never left, I think they would have won. Yeah. Because I think they yeah. would have handled Bam, and I think Horford would have killed Davis in the final, or at least, you know, controlled him. Yeah. Um, but that that's my could have, would have, should have. But I don't even think of the Hayward injury that really hurt them, yeah. too. Yeah, I okay, mean, so because they played it off good, we we demolished Philly without him. Um, we Marcus Smart went crazy against the Raptors, didn't need him. Even Jalen was a little off against the Raptors, and and you know just Miami, they you know hit us in the mouth in the first game, like game one. If we win that game in overtime, like we yeah, even with like an injured Hayward or you know whatever, a lot of other could have with this with this core, but I don't know. <laughs> You never, you never know when it's going to be your year until it is. So yeah. maybe it's this year. Plenty of teams have started slow, you know, and, and still made a run in the second half. So mm-hmm. who knows? So what, what's your favorite overall memory? Not a championship, like just a moment. A lot of people will say the Marcus Smart double charges, which might be yours because you're a big smart guy. Um, what's another? Like people love the Isaiah Thomas game in the, the playoffs. Olenek that's Wizards another. game. That's Kelly Olenek. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Any moment. Ah, oh, man, you kind of went through some of my favorites. Like, the double charge one is, like, the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, Iconic. You know, we had 26. Honestly, like, this is going to sound – I'm going to sound like a sim, but game three against the Nets, which is very recent, um, because that was the first, like – that was the first playoff win with my wife. Um, and she, both, like, both of us, we were just so hyped, like, jumping in our, in our living room. We were just, like, laughing and everything. Like, I'm, like, chest bumping my wife and everything. Like, that was, like, <laughs> one of the, the funniest things that's ever happened. And, you know, we won the game. And in that moment, I'm like, yo, we could really do this. Even without Jalen, like, we could do this. So, actually, it's funny. Literally, that same night, we booked flight to, to go to Boston. And we were at game four. And, oh, boy. Um, that's no. Yeah, it's not, it's not, I know, but <laughs> no one will ever take away the first quarter of Game Four because we came out firing that game. And I'm, you know, I'm in the TD Garden like half asleep because of of all the travel that we had done. And I'm thinking like, yo, are we really doing this? And then the rest of the game happened. But you know, at least for the, we had those five quarters where you know I felt like we were on top of the world. So I know it's like super recent. It doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's no, it, yeah, but it was cool, and that's and I'm like, look, Marcus Smart's our point guard. He's doing it. Like he can do this. There so, you go. He had a terrific game three. He had a terrific series. I think he only had he one did. game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So that's, that's before, before, before you continue, Sam, how did you become a Celtics fan? Like, did you grow up in the area, or are you just from Florida and you just like the Celtics? Like, uh, my mom's side of the family is from Massachusetts, so okay. Um, when they uh, the 2010 Eastern Conference Finals is um, Celtics Magic. Um, game three actually was the first game I tuned in. I, I don't know, I was just trying to watch basketball. Um, yeah, wasn't like a huge basketball person, but I tuned into that game. Saw Rondo dive for the ball, and that's what really <laughs> kind of sealed it for me. Uh, even though like Orlando's obviously would have been like the home team or whatever, but I was still rooting for um, for the Celtics after seeing that, and you know my mom's family and whatever. So. Uh, from then, it just kind of became a thing. I was like still a casual watcher until like the next season. I was still watching them, but like not as hardcore. But when um, Pierce hit that game winner against the Knicks in 2010, um, and, you know, <laughs> Nate Robinson jumped on him. That's when I was like, <laughs> all right, 
I'm gonna record every single Celtics game that come my way on DVR, <laughs> and then that's just kind of what led to to this. So, there you go. How how long did it take for you to invest in League Pass? Or or next do you season. just oh, oh the next season? Okay, and actually no. I think 20, 2013, like the the no the first Brad Stevens year, I think was the first year that I I paid for League Pass with my own money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was doing like illegal streams up until then because I was a broke like high schooler. So you got to do what you got to do. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> I get it. But ever since then, I've been paying for League Pass for like the last like I don't know ten years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I really fell in love with it like that first Brad Stevens year. Like that's when I really started watching every single game. For for me, it was in the playoffs. When they, yes. isn't that so funny? Like yeah. I was still like a casual watcher. Like I'd watch games and stuff, but like I really got hooked on it on that season. I just I don't know. I thought it was cool. But the thing that really made me love it was like when they almost came back against the Knicks in the playoffs the year before and get Game Six. I thought that was like the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, that's a. I go back and watch the YouTube clip of that run like yeah. many times. Like just yeah. feeling the garden atmosphere, you know, just even through the recorded video is just man, that's special. If we would have came back and won that game, I would have been inconsolable on Twitter. Like they would have had to, to ban me or something. I don't know. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, for me, it was around the Jeff Green area as well because my dad was a big baseball guy. So I like I grew up watching the Red Sox more than the Celtics, and then I don't know why I started watching the Celtics more, but like Jeff Green, like Bradley, those teams. I, I I couldn't tell you why Brandon Bass, I, totally random. Like Jordan Crawford. Oh yeah, Jordan yeah. Crawford that, had some really big thing. games. That whole yeah. that whole era was what got me in for some reason. I just missed out on all the fun. But uh, yeah, Sam. Uh, sorry, Sam. You can go on your next. Well, question. actually, this is when I toss it to you, Jersey man. Oh yes. So I'm a huge Jersey guy. Um, or I was. I don't buy them as much anymore. None of they're all from from. You've retired, Jack. You, yeah, I, I did I, not know this was. Uh... It's too much. Too much of a commitment, and none of them are real. I'll preface that. Like I'm still broke. I'm not. I don't have the money, the facilities, uh, to dip into that pool. So they're not real. But I stopped at the trade deadline last year. But for like the um, the last year of Rozier in Boston, that team, the next team, and then the first half of last year, I had every player. So, like, I'm talking, I have a Poirier jersey. I have a Teague jersey. I have, like, it, yeah, it, it was an obsession. So, my question to you, I also have a jersey for every NBA team. Like, I have somebody for every team. Uh, I, have a lo- I have a lot of jerseys. Uh, I, do you have it a was like, closet? Do I have a what? Do you have a walk-in closet? <laughs> no, but my whole closet is just jerseys. Like, I have nothing in there except for jerseys. Um, it, it was, like, while I was in college, I just liked it. Like, it was my collection. I didn't really spend money on anything else. So I was just buy myself jerseys from, like, dh gate or aliexpress or whatever mm-hmm. those sites are so that that was my thing so I, I have a lot now but my question to you is do you have a favorite so I, it's usually celtics jersey but if you have other jerseys like what's your favorite jersey that you own i'm actually not i'm not i'm really not a big jersey guy mm-hmm. um i only have i have three um i have a rondo jersey that a friend in high school gifted me um i went to uh high school with like a bunch of like rich white kids and they like <laughs> i was I was friends with a lot of them and and they you know they all knew me again as a Celtics guy. So one of them, she she was really nice and she got me a, a, a Celtics jersey of Rondo. Um and then uh and then I have a, a Tatum one um that I my wife has has the it's like it's the black um alternate that we have and we mm-hmm. both have that one and then I got a smart jersey. So between those yep. three, I would still probably say the Rondo jersey just because like that's that's what got me here. So yeah, yeah, you know, I, I guess that that 
you know, that OG love of, of Ronda. I, I hate what he's become now, but, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the time, it was like the coolest thing I could possibly own. So I, I literally, it's been my intention to frame it for the last, like, I keep, I, seven years. Still have not framed it. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, it's somewhere in my closet. Uh, I'm probably going to frame that one. And uh, I'm probably the smart one eventually, too. Uh, I want to wear the smart one a little bit before I frame it. But, um yeah, the Tatum one, I'm I'm always be I'm always wear that one because it, it's it's just I don't know I love the black alternates I know that's not the most popular. Um, no, they're thing, sick. I'm fine with those. As, as a jersey cool. snob, they're okay. Yes. Yeah, I mean like they're they're very cla- I mean they're very classy, right? It's just it's very straight. It's nothing crazy. Um, doesn't depart too much from the spirit of you know the Celtics and green or whatever, but it's like a modern touch. Um, so it goes with a lot of my clothing because I wear a lot of black as I'm wearing right now. So I don't know. That's <laughs> that's why I'll probably never frame the Tatum one because I'll be too busy wearing it. But uh, and I got then the Rondo and the Smart ones are the uh, away greens. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I have like a fraction of the ones that you do, Jay. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was. So it, does it's everyone. a bit an obsession. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. It, it was a bit, a bit of an obsession. I'll, I'll admit. But we Jack we've had a. Off. I, I believe I had a Jeff Teague jersey at my house from you, Jack, because it was accidentally yeah, shipped I, to me. Yeah, because I accidentally ordered it to your house. I do have a Jeff Teague jersey, though. It is upstairs. I like. I have everybody from those teams. I have a Thompson jersey. I have a Poirier jersey. I have a Dice jersey. I have a Cantor jersey. Or freedom now, but I don't have Freedom. Well, jersey. no, you don't have the Freedom one. <laughs> you need to get <laughs> it up. Gonna... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm I didn't listen to a, a single thing you said after the fact that you have a Jeff Teague jersey. I can't yeah, be I on the podcast any longer. <laughs> You and I just don't see I, that. I important issues. Uh, it, yeah, we, we I'll, I'll burn it. I'll, we'll just get rid of that one. <laughs> but um, Love if yourself, I'm correct, <laughs> if I'm correct, Sam, that's all the questions. That's that it. We had. Yeah, yeah, we've taken yeah. enough of your time. Yeah, we can start to wrap up here. But yeah, thank you so much for you know jumping on with us. Make sure to follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Doxy. I'll start the plug there. But anything you want to say before we let you go here, Andrew? Uh, if you're coming just to annoy me about Marcus Smart, just don't follow me. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you would like to have intellectual discourse and laugh at my jokes, then yes, come follow me. And also, you can always catch uh, you know my writing on Celtics blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I had a lot of fun. There you go. Yeah, we on. appreciate it. Yeah, thank yeah, you so no much. Um, yeah, you guys can follow me at Jackson NBA. You can follow us at Bannertown USA on Twitter and Sam per usual. I'll let you wrap it up. Yeah, make sure you follow Andrew. We really appreciate him coming on. Check out his work on Celtics blog and be nice to him on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Jack at Jack Simone NBA. You can follow Bannertown at Bannertown USA. And you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's our show for today. Bye.